This episode continues our series on The Lookout DC, which is a collaborative co-working space for mostly filmmakers and video production professionals. You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM, and this is Media on the Radio. Media on the Radio features stories from media professionals, everyone from journalists to filmmakers to marketing experts, to try and give an entree into the entire media field. Here we go with another episode, um, which is part of the series I'm doing on The Lookout DC. And today we're talking to Mark Korsak, who has an interesting kind of storied background. Um, he's an illustrator. Um, he has had some really interesting jobs in the past. You know, being an artist, it's not, it's, you got to be an entrepreneur too. It's not, if you're doing anything, really, anything in the creative field, even if you're doing photography, film, whatever, you pretty much have to run your own business nowadays. And now, living in DC, working out of the lookout, he's doing something that a lot of people have probably never heard of before called graphic recording. I had never heard of it before talking to Mark, and he explains it well, and it's very fascinating. So please check it out. All right, so we were saying uh, before we started, you, you're kind of the anomaly in the lookout. Uh, as Most people are either photographers or filmmakers or video professionals, um, but you are an illustrator. Did you draw always draw as a kid? Yeah. Was that, was that the story? <laughs> yeah, I pretty much was always drawing. Yeah, I mean, that's where it starts. You know, like you, you're, you're, I would say for me, I was uh, originally inspired by um, album covers and book covers. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my mom used to go to a local bank and there was a mall right next to it. And so she would dump me at the book and record store and I would start at the A's in the records and just go as far as I could until she came back to get me. If she got me before uh, or if she didn't come back before I got to Z, then I went to the books and I started looking at all the book covers and stuff, too. So I just got jacked up on on um, a visual vocabulary. I think that's, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's where it's about. I think that's what a lot of people do now too. Like with the internet, just clicking, like you'll get stuck. Just look, you'll search for stuff, and you just have all this visual information in front of you that you can uh, tailor any way you want to. And then, was there a point where you're consuming so much that you start to see these trends, and then you start to learn about the people that are behind the the illustrations? Did you start to say like, okay, I like this person, or I like this aesthetic? I had a great teacher in high school who had these um, these annual books. There's a uh, a museum and social club in New York City called the Society of Illustrators. They do an annual competition that's a it's open worldwide and it's like the best of the best of the illustration in the past year. It's like the Oscars for for the industry. My teacher and they pr- publish a book from. They have an exhibition. They publish a book. My teacher had these books. I don't know, maybe about ten or fifteen of them. They started doing this in the early fifties. Uh, so now we're talking the eighties. So he had, yeah, like 20 of these books and it would just be a showcase of amazing artwork you had probably seen in the last year that was a Coca-Cola ad or, you know, a book cover for a Stephen King novel or something like that. So the images are really recognizable. And when I say that too, I mean out there in the public consciousness. And I think that's what I liked more than wanting to be a painter that puts something up on the wall. You get a Time Magazine cover, 300 million people see it in a day. Right, and you have the the Mona Lisa. It would take how many years for three hundred billion people to see that, walk up to that painting and see it, right? So I think you can still have a huge impact, and you don't have to be doing fine art. 
it makes me think about because I've done some some documentary film and and we had the luxury of actually getting a, a, a professional graphic designer to work with us on yeah. on the design and the concept and people don't think about this too much unless you have the luxury of like spending a year on a project and really develop that concept and we would meet for coffee we'd pay him in beer because he's a good friend right. um, but we we'd meet and he would just just start this conversation with us and say like okay ask us a bunch of questions yeah. and and he would bring these design elements that he liked yeah. that he thought might be related it was really good to go through that process because in my head, I'm just like, just do it. Like, just just draw, I don't know, make it good. I don't know. Um, because I'm, I don't have a design background. He, but he was kind of bringing me along the process. And th- these things that he was showing me, were I didn't really quite understand them. But I do now looking back and how they tied into what the, the design ended up being. Sure. And so how much of design versus illustration, I mean, they're, they're, they're combined together design is definitely a part of they, it they yeah they i mean they pretty much walk hand in hand i mean i i look at them more like uh illustration is going to be uh visual storytelling uh you're trying to create one image that uh communicates an idea or expresses something uh design can do the same thing but design has more of um you know the first thing i think about is the page and its type you know, but there's more to it than that. You can still, you know, get somebody to inspire somebody and get them to feel as much off of a design or a layout or the typeface that you choose, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, as as you would by just looking at a picture. But they all have meaning, right? And you're all trying to communicate a story. That's really ultimately what it's about, right? It's at least for me, uh, it's all visual storytelling. With illustration, you don't have the, the bounds of kind of reality or what pieces that you have in reality. And you having this background in, you know, science fiction, you're, you're interested in that. Sure. Did you go to college with an idea of like, this is what I want to pursue or what I want to focus on? Well, I went to School of Visual Arts in New York City. Uh, the great thing about School of Visual Arts is the teachers there are the guys that I was seeing in those books the years before. So I had, I, I was lucky enough to, to have these guys as my instructors. The school itself was great. I made some great friends. I got a lot of art knowledge out of it, but not any business knowledge whatsoever. You know, being an artist, it's not, it's, you got to be an entrepreneur too. It's not, if you're doing anything really, anything in the creative field, even if you're doing pho- photography, film, whatever, you pretty much have to run your own business nowadays. When I was going to art school, it was different. I would talk to my teachers. They would get a job in a studio or something like that. So, so they would they would have a, a wing to go under, you know, to guide them through the industry until they got to a certain point. That really didn't happen for me and for pretty much everybody else I went to school with. You know, I think there was one business class. So really what I needed to do was be able to make a phone call, like a cold call. You know, I needed to be able to talk somebody into spending five hundred a thousand fifteen hundred dollars on 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 me on my craft on whatever i'm going to offer them um just how to run a business how do i even get in the door who do i meet how do i how do i get the job you know and for the freelance world too it's not just the one job you do one job and when the job's done you still need another one you know so (laughs) not like a day job where you get the job you put a lot of effort and you finally get the job and then you have it (laughs) and then all you have to do is work it you don't have to try and win the job every day you know um, but as a freelancer, that's a freelancer in the arts. That's what you got to do. Uh, the thing that really turned it around for me was a friend of mine I went to high school with and I grew up with was an accountant at a uh, like a B movie production company in New York City. And as an accountant, he talked to a lot of other accountants from a lot of other film production companies. 
And so he got it in his head one day that he's going to get me a job. So he gave me a list of two or three phone numbers for accountants that he knew at other agencies. Everybody there was really helpful. Whenever I went to go meet somebody, it was always nice. It was good. They wanted to help. Uh, they didn't know if they could help me or not or what. But the key was that when I walked out of there, I asked them if they knew anybody else that might be interested in what I do and got a few more phone numbers from them. So the three numbers that my buddy Matt started me with snowballed into... Uh, I, I don't know, 20 numbers that ended up, it ended up hitting. Like I ended up finally getting a job doing, um, uh, Broadway and off-Broadway play posters for, uh, Gray Entertainment. I didn't realize how good that job was when I got it, but I was reading scripts for, for Broadway plays and musicals and then having to come up with a, with a poster for it, come up with an image for the poster. And I would be one of, let's say three or four guys they hired. So they might not even choose my poster, you know, when they would, they would meet with a, right. It's the same thing with like a. Any of the big things like that, a Time magazine cover or something like that, they hire more than one person to do it in case, you know, God forbid something happens and that person doesn't get the job done. You can't not have a cover for Time magazine, right? Well, I heard so, I heard that similar story of, you know, a, a dude that lived in a ranch in, in Denver or something like that, yeah. and he wrote scripts for Hollywood, some yeah. big studio, and made really good salary, yeah. but wrote scripts every year, turned them in. None of his scripts got made, but like, you know, this guy's yeah. a good script writer and we're just going to yeah. commission him to do, you know, full time, yeah. write scripts all, all yeah, day, yeah. every day. Yeah. You know, that happens. Of, that's kind of funny, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff totally happens. You're in D.C. now and you had brought up before we started about, uh, does, what is it? Uh, uh, graphic recording? recording? Graphic, graphic recording. recording. Yeah. <laughs> and you say you kind of jumped into that. Yeah. in D.C. here, and I don't actually know what that means. I didn't know what it was. About two years ago, I had no idea either. I came to a mixer at a local design firm here in Adams Morgan called MAGA, met a few guys there, and they said, they, they, we just hit it off. And I asked them what they do, and they said, we do this thing called graphic recording. You should check it out. I said, what, what is that? And they said, well, basically, we, take, we go into development meetings. We take a huge piece of paper, throw it up on the wall, and we write and draw what people are saying while they're saying it. So wow. it kind of ends up being like one of those um, RSA like instructional videos, but it happens in real time. Uh, so you see the person doing the drawing. Uh, um, it's great for development meetings or keynotes or uh, and it's actually it's kind of hard to describe it unless you actually are in the room and experience it. It sounds like it's a bit of performance as well. It is. I, I, yeah. I consider it definitely like I'm I'm conscious of what I'm wearing, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, how or as conscious as I can be. I mean, I think what happens is after a while you just kind of click in and um, you're on autopilot, you know. So you're listening to what's happening and trying to draw what what they're saying. Uh, you're a few steps behind them, and it really ends up being like a dance. By the time it's all, you know, it's like when you dance, you're. Your body knows to move on time and your brain still, but you can let go and it all just happens. You're saying like a development meeting with, with corporation in a, in a, in a... Right, yeah. Or uh, uh, so, or uh, you know, there's loads of development meetings here in this town anyway for just uh, legislation and, and um, part of it. This design firm that I got hooked up with, MAGA, they're really a strategy and consulting firm. And what they're really, really great at is, uh, is working with these branches of government that are so staggeringly huge that I didn't I had no idea how big these institutional apparatus I don't know what you want to call it but it's I mean if you think it's big you don't you really don't know you know until you're actually you you have to do something that has to cross platform to millions of other people not just you know uh, a room of 60 people or something 
so yeah, so it'll be a um, maybe like a board of directors meeting. So they're talking about you know what they have on deck, uh, what they're expecting to happen in the future. Yeah, and then there'll be this giant one page or two page, however long the meeting is. By the time it's done, the client keeps that. They can do whatever they want with it. Nine times out of ten, they hang it up usually in their office somewhere and kind of use it as inspiration. They can refer back to it. I mean, it's it's meant to capture the spirit of whatever's happening in that room at the time so then people can refer to it and, and it firms up their experience in the room while they have it. There isn't one form of, of learning and kinesthetic versus visual yeah. versus auditory. Yeah, yeah. And now they're finding that people really aren't one versus another. They Even if you need to kind of take notes in a meeting for you to be able to remember, yeah. if having a visual representation, I'm sure is just another aid. Yeah, it, it is for sure. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty well known scientifically now that people learn visually better than they do any other way. I mean, everybody understands things visually. You don't, you don't need another language to translate it. Everybody, if you show somebody an apple, they all know it's an apple. They might not say it's the same word, right? <laughs> Which is how things get messed up communicating wise, but everybody will know it's an apple. You know, and that's one of the powerful things about doing the graphic recording is that if I draw that for everybody, if I draw an apple for everybody in the room, everybody experiences the apple the same way instead of breaking off into their own language about it. You know, well, it's funny that you mentioned this, and I've never heard of graphic uh, recording before, but I actually have, you know, very kinesthetic is why I do what I do. Uh, back in my old job, we used to take turns taking notes. I don't take notes in the way that other people take notes. Right. And I, I, when when we we used to take turns, everyone would have to share the notes, you know. So not ever not one person had to take the notes every every meeting. And at the end of the meeting, somebody looked at my paper and it was filled with just doodles. And I'm not an I'm not an illustrator by any means, but right. just just had to kind of doodle and and I sent the notes and they were fine, right? right. Uh, they didn't have all the words on them, but it's just the way in which I was absorbing the information. Yeah, and, yeah. and so that, that's that's really interesting to me. And I, and I imagine that even though it's a, a kind of a niche thing at this point, but it seems like it would be that type of work is really probably pretty impactful. It, it can be. It, it certainly can be. And I, I think most businesses are finding that. Uh, it's a fairly new field, although there's there's some people that I know that have been practicing it for, I'm going to say, 20 or 30 years now. And they think that's that's like old, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not masonry. Like that's been around for tens of thousands of years, you know. So, <laughs> so twenty or thirty years really isn't that old. It's kind of started out in San Francisco uh, with a company called the Grove, and it's kind of been growing from there. Uh, but there's pockets of places where it just makes sense, like Washington D.C., like New York City, like San Francisco, where there are a lot of backroom meetings where people are trying to solve problems. That's one of the really good beneficial things of this. What's interesting about, and what I'm curious about is, at some level, and and I'm sure they're not taking, only looking at the sketch and being like, this is, you know, you're not making decisions based on that solely, but you have a lot of power in that position. I do, yeah. <laughs> um, of, of, you know, because, and this is what I learned getting into, you know, color correction for a film, sure. is that everybody has an idea of what a tree looks like. Right. But you kind of have to, but one, you just kind of have to make a decision on what this tree is going to look like. Right. Um, so from that point of view, how do you how do you interpret what they're saying? A lot of times, I don't I don't have a lot of time to interpret it. I you know it's it's usually a struggle just to cap like my role in that regard is to capture the information in the room. I tend to go at it verbally first 
and visually secondary. I mean, that's the way I take notes. That's the way I capture information. I don't think I could actually do an entire graphic recording visually without putting any words in it. You know, I don't, or I, I, I could do it, but nobody would know what it was, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Except for the people that were in the room. Having all this background in illustration, what that allows me to have more than a, a lot of other people that do graphic recording is a visual vocabulary, right? Graphic recording came more from human resources than it did from illustration. Uh, it came more as a result of somebody in a meeting trying to facilitate the meeting in a better, more effective way that just was somebody that's in meetings all the time, right? It wasn't it wasn't somebody artistically going at it or somebody that person had no artistic background when they did it. They were just like, Oh, if I put this big piece of paper up and write on at the same time, everybody will start to understand it the same way. In the last few years is when illustrators have gotten wind of this and have been able to bring their own sensibilities to it, their own personality and their own language. Right. I'm, I walk up, I see the empty page. It doesn't bother me as much as somebody whose background is in organizational development that wants to do that's doing you know, graphic recording, but that's their background. They have master's degrees in how to get people to work together. I don't have those degrees. You know, I have a huge visual vocabulary that I can bring to the table. So is there anything on the side that you're working on or do you there is, yeah. draw? No, no, yeah, I still, I've totally. So, so the graphic recording stuff's going well, and um, I have a personal project that I've been working on for four or five years now. It's kind of changed the way I look at things because, you know, I think I said earlier, my career was mostly based around getting whatever job I could get. Uh, so I wasn't making a lot of choices as to what I wasn't making a lot of creative choices. It was just whatever came my way. A story fell in my lap. Uh, that's a personal family story. That is a really good story. <laughs> and I almost feel like I, it has to be told. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a passenger to the story. The story is more important than me. And, and I just need to, I just need to rise to the occasion to get it out there. You know, so it's a it's a great story. It's a Civil War story. Uh, I found out that my great great grandfather uh, was one of the guys that started the United States Military Telegraph Corps in the Civil War. Uh, him and and three other guys. He was close friends with Andrew Carnegie, who's a Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> uh, he's actually from he's from in and around there too. We can talk about that a whole other thing. But it's I you know I keep uncovering this stuff. Uh, my grandmother passed away uh, four or five years ago. My mom and I went down to her place in Florida to clean out the closet. We found in her closet a pocket telegraph key and relay inscribed from 1861. And that started setting, setting me going. So, hey, what can I find out about this? All the kind of turns out that he was a notable guy and that this was uh, some really worthwhile information. It's it's uh, an angle of the Civil War no one's told yet. I haven't seen somebody tell that yet. Uh, the telegraph itself is such a huge impact on what we're doing now with texting and all that kind. Of, you know, it's the, it's the first instantaneous digital communication. It was happening 150 years ago. You know, we take it for granted now, but it was right. Yeah, it was happening then. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, so seeing that, you know, how all that stuff and what, kind of fits together. What, what yeah. form is that taking? Right, right? now, it's going to sure. be uh, my 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 philosophy. I wanted to, I want to get a comic book out of it. I want to get a graphic novel out of it. Uh, the story's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. So it's going to take me a lot longer to tell it than I thought. My plan right now is to actually do a graphic recording of the story. Right, I've written I've written a. 28-page synopsis. I've tried to boil that down to five pages. I've now boiled that down to two pages. 
Now I want to try and take that two pages and put it on one big giant page so you can see the whole story in one shot. Very Kerouacian of you. Yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not, I don't want to do a storyboard. I'm not trying to do frame by frame of how the whole story works. Uh, I just want to see the whole story at once so I can move parts around, see what relates and what doesn't. It's a historical piece, right? But I still want, I don't want it to read like history. I want it to, you know, feel like real people. You know, so <laughs> that's very cool. Hey, thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so just to finish up, uh, what advice, if any, kind of do you have, or what's the one thing that people coming out of college should know if they want to kind of get into? And there's there are a lot of different spaces to get into, sure. and that's kind of part of the challenge, I guess. But um, you know, t- knowing what you know now, what you know, what what should they know? I mean, you know, the 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 skill and the craft and the stuff. If you care, that's going to come. So I wouldn't worry about that stuff. Uh, it's all the other business skills and things that, that are really going to have an impact on your ability to do this stuff for other people. Part of what's even getting me in the door places now that wasn't before is I can articulate why I like an image, what it does, and why it's doing it to somebody who doesn't know that. I couldn't do that 20 years ago. And that's all because it, it didn't have anything to do with learning how to draw or paint. That was learning how to be a better person. You know, <laughs> is that is that good advice? Does that help? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time. Sure, sure. Glad to be here. Yeah, nice meeting you, man. Yeah, it's funny. Um, me never having having the ability to draw. Yeah. Naturally, or it would take me forever to you know. You know, it's like that raw talent. I think yeah, it's yeah. one of those things that people just have. Um, but yeah, yeah, but that stuff runs out. Too. You get to know, a, you no, get no, to no, a no. point where raw talent does do anything. No, but what I appreciate. You can go to waitwhatpro.com to find past episodes of Media on the Radio. Please subscribe on iTunes to Media on the Radio, where each week it'll send the podcast directly to your phone. You don't have to do anything. It'll just send it right to you.